The following audio is from the Grove Church. To find out more about our church or to check out previous messages, go to our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, Grove Church. For those of you that don't know, my name is Adrian. I am the kids pastor here at the Grove Church. I'm normally in the other wing, so you probably don't see me very often unless you have kiddos, but it is my great privilege and honor to have Steve here with us today and to kind of explain a little bit of how it started our relationship. Uh, About two years ago, we had a need of kids with special needs that we didn't really have a place for them. And so they weren't thriving in our environments. And I was like, I don't know what to do. How can we help this? But I was like, this is a big problem. I don't know what to do. And so Pastor Aaron said, you need Steve. And so he set me up. We Zoomed. And from that day on, I think his first question was like, well, when would you like to start a special needs environment? I said, today. (laughs) I need it today. I need it now. Um, And so he really is the reason that we are able to offer our Champions program on Sundays, the reason that we are able to allow families to come in and worship because their kids are in a place where they're thriving and they're hearing about Jesus at their level. And so I am just so excited to have Steve here with us today and to share a little bit. And so um, I'm going to ask him a few questions about his story and um, some encouragement that he can give us. And so I was just wondering if you could share a little bit more about your story with everyone here and the experiences that you have had that maybe have led to what your ministry is. Sure. First of all, good morning, Grove Church. Happy Father's Day. You know, uh, I talked it over with the wife and kids. I'm going to introduce them in a second. I think even though we live about 1,057 miles away, that we're going to make this our home (laughs) church. We we might be here every three weeks, you know, a little turnaround time. But, uh, you know, and, and it's funny as a missionary because I feel like, you know, rock stars, you know, go, you know, our favorite place in the world, Cleveland. And it's nobody's favorite place is <laughs> Cleveland, you know. But I am genuinely really touched and impressed. In fact, got a chance to tour the Champions Club. And um, you'll hear more of why I'm so passionate about it. But there's this verse that says, God is close to the brokenhearted. And it hit me one day, if you want to get close to God, go where he is. He's close to the brokenhearted. And man, these parents and and the kids and uh, God's doing something beautiful here, really beautiful. And so uh, I I can't say enough how much of an honor it is. I want to introduce the three most important people in my life, not the Trinity. Well, that would be awesome. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But this is my wife, Julie. Yesterday, we we celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary. Do you guys want to? Do you guys want to hear how we met? Um, I was itinerating as a single rookie missionary, which I was going around raising funds, and I went down to Medford, Oregon, this little church of about thirty people, and and she came. And uh, so, if you're you know looking for a good dating scene, itineration <laughs> is the way to do it. Um, and then came along Case, and our kids have. Dutch names because we were missionaries in the Netherlands for 10 years. And uh, we learned something about naming your kids foreign names because the first day of school in America, Case came home and goes, can I get a new name like Alex or something? Because people call him Keese and, you know, but it's Case. And then Sayla is our daughter. Uh, she's 10 years old. And both our kids, uh, I'll tell you what, being a father is such a blessing. I don't know if we really hear that as much anymore, but being a father truly is really a blessing. Uh, 
So to understand our ministry a little better helps to know our story. See, when I was born, I was born three pounds, two and a half months premature. Doctors came in. They told my parents that uh, if I even survived, I would never walk or be productive. In fact, life was so sketchy back then that they had to tie a string to one of my toes and pull on it to get me breathing. So I always say my life was hanging on by a thread. And uh, like I said, told, I think, first service, that's a dad joke, but those are okay today. So if, um, it was interesting. You know, I grew up in uh, Shriners Hospital, had a lot of surgeries. Um, remember racing my buddy on a gurney, and I was in a wheelchair down to class in the hospital. I just thought that was normal life, recess for blood draws. And turns out that's not really true. Um, you know, God's good. God's faithful. I think about Ephesians 3.20, which is a life verse. You'll find it on the back of our prayer card. It says, God is able to do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. And then it says this, according to his power at work within us. And Ephesians and Romans both say that that power is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And I think one of the the challenges or problems in life is that we tend to focus on God doing all these external things, these circumstances, change my circumstances, you're able. But you know what? If we could just realize that we have resurrected power living inside of us, who cares if I limp up on the stage when I've got that kind of hope, the hope of glory inside me, amen? So I want to encourage you as you watch my video, listen. I don't want to show that video every week. I say to Julie, do I have to show it? It's embarrassing. That girl, you know, said she wouldn't, uh, you know, date me anymore because I was disabled. No, it was, yeah, it was my biggest fear, my biggest insecurity. But you know what? There's still life ahead after you've hit bottom because we serve the hope of glory, Jesus. And he specializes in resurrections. And I have the biggest blessing in my life sitting over there because I continued to walk through darkness, through the valley, it felt like valley of shadow of death at times, but don't give up hope today. I just feel that's a word for this. Somebody in this service, do not give up hope. He's able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. My parents, his special needs parents, were married at age 19 and 16. A lot of people don't understand how difficult it can be for special needs parents, how alone they can feel. And my parents were no other. Uh, they were no exception. They separated for almost a year. My dad was so hopeless, he contemplated on taking his life. But then one day there was a knock at the door and it was the local church. And they saw that we were moving into a new town. And they said, can we help you move in? And it was that simple act of kindness and compassion that completely changed the trajectory of my life. So a few years later, I'd accept Christ in the basement of that Assembly of God church. My dad, who worked for the railroad, would get a call to ministry. We'd relocate from Southern California all the way up to, to Northwest College. And I just celebrated with my family. I'll tell you what is a beautiful thing. Now remember, it was hopeless. They were separated. They'd given up. They were 19 and 16 or 21 and 18 when I was born. They had a special needs child. My dad would go on to pastor Assembly God Churches for 15 years until he retired. 
And in their 60s, they decided, I thought, wow, this is something else. They decided to adopt four special needs orphans from China. And then my sister did the same, adopted two special needs orphans from China. And here's the crazy thing is they're all serving the Lord. All serving the Lord. Several of them are in ministry. It's just incredible what God can do. Don't give up. Don't give up. So a lot of people ask us, who are the vulnerable? CityServe considers the vulnerable special needs families, those with mental health challenges, at-risk youth, and pregnant mothers and the unborn. It was a little intimidating to become the national directors because I'd never done anything like that, and I started doing statistics research, and I found out that one in six people in the world are considered disabled. That's over a billion people in the world. And then we know all about mental health challenges, don't we? 48% of Americans, almost half of Americans, will suffer a mental health crisis in their lifetime. One time I was speaking at a church in the Bay Area, and I shared a little bit about my struggle at times with anxiety. I was nervous to share it, which tells you something already, that I, the church was the most, I thought, they're going to pull my support and think I'm flaky. I just had all these crazy thoughts. But I felt led to share it, just to, to kind of model vulnerability and also to connect with people out there. You know, we connect through our vulnerabilities. This is the great secret of relationship. You want to connect deeply with people, connect through your vulnerabilities. And after the service, I go back to our display table, and there's a line of 15 people deep, and they're all whispering in my ear, I have bipolar disease. I have anxiety too. I'm depressed. I'm suicidal. Why are they whispering in my ears? This is the local church we're talking about. It should be the place of hope where we can come with all the stuff we're going through. So, so why did God pick Steve Kramer to do this? I, I, I have no idea, except for maybe I'm just willing to be vulnerable and limp up here. <laughs> In fact, first service, we were too close to the edge. I told Adrian, I, I don't want to stage dive. I have friends that said it would help the offering a lot if I did that, but I'm not willing to take that. So what's the answer? Well, we believe, where in the world do you have the same organization everywhere? And that's the local church. We believe the answer is the local church. And I'm going to get a drink of water again. Go, yep, go for it. Well, um... One cool tidbit is that I was Facebook stalking Steve, and I, I saw that, I don't know, I, I won't say how many years ago, but when he was a young boy, he went to Northwest University, which was Northwest College at the time, and that's where he received his calling of missions, and it was pretty cool because that's where I also received my calling to be in ministry and where I just really knew God had placed on my heart to serve others, and so I thought that was kind of cool that many years apart, we yeah. still, you know, we, yeah. we met Jesus at the same yeah. spot, so... Very cool. But I, I just wanted to see in what ways are you seeing God work among the vulnerable? Yeah, I was reflecting on that time. I got called, you know, uh, my dad, my parents are just, you know, they always just say yes to Jesus. That's all you can say. And they loaded up four kids in a U-Haul station wagon. We go to campus days. This is in the 80s. So I'm an old guy. Seahawks were there, and I thought that was cool. We stayed in the dorm, but the, the evangelist at the time was since become a friend, Rich Wilkerson, and he said, if God were to call you anywhere in the world as he was speaking, would you go? And God immediately spoke to my 
uh, minded that and hard at the time to become a missionary. The, the challenge was I couldn't even walk from here to the front row. But, you know, I've just learned you got to keep saying yes. God will work out the rest. been incredible to see God working through local churches and missionaries as we help them develop a plug-and-play scalable models of ministry to reach the vulnerable where they're at. And I remember when we first started just feeling kind of discouraged at times because it was such a huge task. A lot of times when I talk to church leaders or, or people in church, pastors, they would say, we don't have any special needs families in our church. Then one day I got a call, really touched my heart. It was a friend of mine who had been in the Navy and he'd just gone through a divorce. He had a special needs son and he was choked up and he was crying. And he was excited at the same time. I tried to figure out what was going on and he said, you know, I go to a church of several thousand people and I sit in the lobby with my son's wheelchair and I wheel him back and forth and it feels so alone. I have no friends there. There's no ministry like this. And I think it's incredible what you're doing. He said, had we had a ministry like this, I don't think I ever would have gotten a divorce. But see, his wife and him couldn't come to church together. They're just out of sync. And then a couple weeks later, I'm speaking at a church and a lady comes up. And she says, this week, She's a special needs mom. She said, this week I've actually considered taking my life because life is just so overwhelming. Just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And it could be such a beautiful story with just a few key changes. And your Champions Club is a key change. I went back there and I thought, man, I'm going to be a mess the third service because, <laughs> you know, parents are coming up, they have tears in their eyes. They're so happy and joyful because they feel included. I don't know if you know this, but the early church, they used to structure their whole service around the vulnerable. They'd actually put the vulnerable, the wheelchairs, all the, all the poor, and in the middle of the service, they put them and then put all the chairs around them so they felt loved. Man, I look forward to today in America when we do that, and it's beginning, and it's beginning here at the Grove Church. You're taking a whole wing of your church and dedicating it to the vulnerable. Thank God for that. You know what else is interesting? I'm kind of riffing now. I get, the more <laughs> services go on, I, I'm looking at the time going, oh my gosh, seven <laughs> minutes left. It's interesting too that, that uh, I like to say that when we reach the vulnerable, it's a bold witness to a watching world. I have all kinds of Facebook friends. I don't know if they're stalking me or not. Uh, most of them are really good people. But I have one acquaintance, let's put it like that, and he's Antifa. You know what Antifa is? You know, and he's a hardened atheist. And one day I shared about special needs ministry. And he, it shocked me because he said, wow, the church is doing what it should be doing. And I thought, yeah, if the church isn't reaching the most vulnerable, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. I've had people offer to give money that weren't even Christians to this kind of ministry. I am telling you, you guys are just getting started here. So last night, I was awakened at three in the morning. Don't you love that? <laughs> Tried all the tricks to go back to sleep. But God gave me this verse, verses Exodus 2, 23 through 25. Years passed and the king of Egypt died, but the Israelites continued to groan under the burden of slavery. 
They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. See, true compassion, compassion means to suffer along with. Compassion means to journey with someone, come what may. You really learn that in marriage. You know, there are good times, there's ups and downs, there's all seasons of life. Compassion to suffer along with. But it doesn't just stop there because God says it's time to act. It's time to act. I was so thrilled earlier service because Adrian had been telling me how you just need more volunteers for the Champions Club. I'm already getting into my next question, so we'll just keep rolling. And she said, I think five people said, we want to volunteer. I'm expecting at least five more in this service, <laughs> maybe 10, maybe 20. We've been to churches where they have 100 volunteers by the end of the day, new volunteers. Can I just keep going? And keep going, just you got sc- it. Scratch the yes, rest of the questions? Yes. Okay, I'm on a roll, so <laughs> might as well keep going. Refer to my notes here. You know, when you reach special needs families, you're not just reaching the kids themselves, you're reaching the parents. You're reaching the aunts, the uncles. And, I, and let's do a show of hands. How many of you know a special needs child or a family with a special, raise your hand. Okay, so you see it here. If you reach those kids, you're reaching your whole community. I've heard stories down in Portland where a family will drive over an hour to attend church one way because it's the only show in town, so to speak. My wife always says this, there may be limitations physically or mentally But there are no limitations to encountering God. No limitations to encountering God. And again, I I challenge all of you, maybe do it, you know, over several weeks so they're not overwhelmed, but ask to get a tour of the Champions Club and tell me you don't feel the presence of God there in a unique, fresh way. We like to say at CityServe that every church can do something. Everyone can do something. And at our home church, the Champions Club director is a woman named Beth, and she's a grandma to two autistic grandsons. And I'm always asking Beth, because she's done this for years, always a big smile on her face. I said, Beth, come on, cut me straight. Like, do you have a special education degree? You're not telling anybody. You're so good with the kids. Like, what is it? Did you get training, you know? She always tells me, and she tells anybody who calls, all you need is a heart. All you need is a heart. I want to encourage you today to ask God and pray about just maybe once a month, saying, I want to spend some time with some special kids. I want God to minister to me there. Some of times people say, I don't want to miss the service. Well, the good thing here is you got three (laughs) other ones. I've been to three of them so far. (laughs) The fourth one, I'm really curious. That's my fourth service. I got to be honest, that's my service. Sleep in, hit Red Robin for a burger, and then come to church or something. I just had this pop in my mind. When my wife worked at a high school in Oregon, Springfield, Oregon, down by Eugene, as a life skills assistant, there was a guy from Jamaica named Orald, and he used to come to 
the classroom. He was, he was working with special needs kids, severe special needs. And he always came in his suit in his Sunday best. And they were in a staff meeting once, and they said, why is it, Oral, that you always wear your best clothes when you know they're going to get dirty? And he said, these kids, these kids deserve the best. What's beautiful about this ministry is we're seeing it all around the world. Some countries have never had a disabled ministry, a mental health ministry. It's an awesome thing. And people were responding. I don't know, I just feel led to pray. Can I pray? Can Absolutely. I? Absolutely. I know he, your man's coming up to pray, <laughs> but can I, can I pray? Absolutely. I just, all right. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for the Grove Church. Lord, I've loved this church just watching them also doing my Facebook stalking. <laughs> and it seems to me that it's a pastor and church leaders and church that just says, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to step out in faith and we're going to go for it. They're not about excuses. They're not about feeding their doubts, but they're feeding their faith and they're saying God is a God who can do the impossible. Lord, at this moment, I feel you're speaking to hearts right now. Lord, your blessing is on the Champions Club of Grove Church. And I pray that right now you'd speak to all of us of how we can be a blessing to others. But also, some people in this church will be led to give extravagantly to the Champions Club. Others will go in every Sunday and be a blessing to these kids. Others will say, hey, how can I bless the local schools, the special needs classroom? Lord, I just pray that you would speak to all of our hearts. God, this is your heart. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Well, um, it was really great to have you here, Steve. And I just... For perspective, um, our champions classes each week is a it's a registration. So we need to know how many kids come, and uh, we have about fourteen to fifteen special needs kids right now. But we're only able to offer so many spots because of lack of, of volunteers. Because we need a one on one. Because we really want these kids to be able to experience Jesus. And so last gathering, they came in. They said we had three kids that went up to elementary and made it the whole time because they have a para with them that's able to see their needs. And that is like these kids are able to go where they never were able to go before because it was too overwhelming. And so we just really, our heart is that every person that steps foot into this church has a place to hear from Jesus. And so it, it was just a pleasure to have you here, Steve. And I'm going to ask Ryan to come up and pray for you anyways, even though you closed us in prayer, but um, we are just thankful for the, the gift you've given us in, in starting this ministry. And we just can't wait to see what God's going to do. Amen. Well, church, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> Steve uh, and his wife and his family are an example uh, of missionaries that we support. Uh, if, you, if you're newer to the Grove, you may not know that we support about 25 to 30 missionaries 
domestically, so here within the U.S. and also globally. Uh, and so when you give to missions, this is a face as a representation of a family that you support with that. Um, and after the gathering, uh, uh, their kids have a couple of prayer cards um, that you can grab one. And every single missionary, Steve, you guys included, that I've ever met, there's always two needs that missionaries have. One, obviously, is financial support. So you have to raise support to be able to go do missions. Uh, and the second one uh, is prayer support. And to a T, every missionary will say, if you would just pray for us, if you could just put in, so they've got these cards and you put it on your, you know, with a, with a magnet on your refrigerator or in the dash of your car, uh, that prayer support means more to them than anything else. And so, um, we're just so grateful again, like Adrian said, that you are here and that your family came uh, to be with us and drove 1,000, 1,047 miles, is that what you said? 1,000, something like that. You were very specific, so I thought you knew. We counted every one of them. Hey, we brought out the rain for you when you came up. So, well, hey, we want to pray. Church, would you do me a favor? Would you just stretch out your hand? Let's agree over this family uh, together. Father, we thank you for Steve. God, we thank you for Julie and Case and Selah. God, we are so grateful for what you have done in them. God, through other people, you reached them. God, you reached Steve and his family as they moved into town, and it was a simple gesture from a church to say, can we help you move in? And that simple act of kindness has led them to uh, uh, missions work in other countries, God, to us today, and we're so grateful for that. And God, we also thank you for what you're doing through them, that so many have been reached have been seen, have felt heard through their ministry and their willingness simply to say yes to you. God, and I think there's something that we can learn from that. Every single person that sits in this room, God, even outside the idea of, uh, of the need to reach those that are vulnerable, God, is just the willingness to say yes to you. It's such an incredible example. And so, God, we pray a couple things as a church. We do believe that you are a God of the impossible. And to believe that you're the God of the impossible is to believe that you can do things beyond which we think are possible to do. And so I love Steve's vision and his heart to say, man, I would love in my lifetime to reach a billion people. And that can seem like an audacious and even a ridiculous goal. But God, if we only set our sights on goals that we think we can attain, we will never reach what's possible. And we believe that you are a God of the miraculous. And so God, we pray right now as a church over them, their ministry, and their family that you would open up doors of influence in ways they never dreamed possible. God, I pray relationships, God, would happen whether it's on a plane or a train in a lobby of a church or God's shopping in a grocery store that there would be opportunities of relationships that would open doors, God, to influence beyond their wildest dreams because you've ordained it and you've put it before them. And so, God, we thank you again so much for families that are willing to uproot, to move and go, to step out in faith and not know what's on the other side and they're incredible examples to us. So we thank you for the Kramers. God, we thank you for what you've done, but we even more look forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Come on, would you say thank you to Steve and his family one more time? Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Message Podcast. To keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or check us out at our website, grove.church.